Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to take a spin. With shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an They option now. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we, we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say, Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City. City. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Dylan, I've spent my entire life since March joining this, this community, this world, the world of Bravo. You know, I started with the Real Housewives of New York, and then I spent my summer with the women of Beverly Hills. And then of course spent the last, you know, two months in Potomac. Right. I finally convinced you to join me on the Real Housewives of Potomac. Dylan, we need to talk. I know. It was like also- a Stockholm syndrome situation, is what I'll say. Because I would watch <laughs> I would come in and out of the room whenever the the reunions were on. Oh right, right. I, right. I feel like yeah. in. I I used to sort of be like that was my blind spot when it came to like queer culture. But the Real Housewives of Potomac, or RHOP, as I like to call it. RHOP. Um, like IHOP. Um, it is art. It's high art. It is like the, the housewives are beautiful. They are brilliant. They are so authentic. It is, it's amazing. I finally understand the housewife fever that people have had. It's great. And I think it's a good one to like... If you're going to pick one, I think it's good because the drama on it feels authentic to them. Like, it actually feels like it's happening. And unlike some of the other ones, they do break the fourth wall a lot. And they'll show, like, the, like just this past Sunday, I know you're not fully caught up on season yeah, five yeah. yet. But, like, at one point, like, Michael Darby, like, is, he has his Denise Richards, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo moment. And he's like, can we cut the cameras for a second? And the producer literally comes over. But it is so... Good. I am so glad you're obsessed with it. Wait, you know that thing where people are doing that Spotify, like, Recedify thing where they can, yeah. like, pick their top songs of the last yes. month? I am so humiliated, but I have to share. The the fifth song on that list of my most listened to Spotify songs from the last uh-huh. month is Ashley Darby's song, oh my Coffee God. and Love, which is humiliating. And it's a to bad quote, song. To quote our friend Matt James, she didn't have to make music. <laughs> she didn't have to, but housewives like to. They They all really do. You know, I'll say it's Karen Huger is everything. I love Monique Samuels. Giselle is icon. I mean, it's just such a good show. Anyone who's looking for something to just like let loose, unplug for a little bit, The Real Housewives of Potomac, it's it's incredible. It's the one. It's just, it'll make you understand the housewives fever that goes on. It's so you good. Know, speaking of speaking of people who are maybe in one pocket of entertainment, and then when when something happens, they release a single. That's very popular among Rue girls to release a single, um, maybe upon elimination or after the season's over. And our guest today actually falls into that category. Tell it's me someone why, who has released Dylan. an iconic single. Well, I'm going to bring the guest in. Oh my All god! Right? As you do, I'm like sipping my coffee and I have a straw on it, and I do feel like a housewife at a reunion. Who's like, because they don't want to mess up their lipstick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Salam. Our guest today is the Persian princess of drag and was one of the last queens standing on RuPaul's Drag Race season 12. This Canadian born queen, in addition to winning three mini challenges and all of our hearts, was also officially dubbed the trade of the season, serving charisma, uniqueness, nerd, 
and talent on this massive platform, our guests brought memorable runways, including being the first queen to ever wear a Muslim-inspired look with a kaftan and hijab on the runway, delivered iconic lip sync for your life moments, such as firework, and a spot-on Lisa Rinna impersonation in the Snatch Game. Her single, You Wish, is available now, and she is the host of the weekly chat show with our dear friend Michael Hall called Good Morning Tonight. She continues to inspire and take the world by storm right from Hell's Kitchen. She's Miss Cox, if you're naughty, just like her girls Laverne, Deb, and Courtney. Please welcome to drama, Jackie Jackie Cox. Hi. Oh my goodness. What an intro. I, I could, I could, did you send me that in an email? I'm going to put that on my website. It's so good. <laughs> Someone has too much fun writing these. Oh my God. We, Jackie, we love you so much. And we're so excited to have you on the pod. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on the pod. I of can, course. I can, I can speak quietly into the microphone because we're on a pod. It's yeah. very NPR. Um, That's right. Which is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and okay, I was very excited by your convo about the housewives. Yes. I okay, can we can we just jump right in and talk about that for like mm-hmm. a couple minutes? Of course. You know, that always gets me going. Absolutely. I think did you guys and again, this just happened last night, but it was such a good um do you know those like clip shows they air at the end of every season called the Secrets <laughs> Secrets Reveals? It's it's honestly what it is. It's like B and C storylines that they were not interesting enough and like right. parties where nothing happened. So like it's like, hey, we have this extra footage that we spent, you know, all this money on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just throw it into this clip package. And it was mostly that. I will say like Sutton's birthday party obviously is not made for TV moments. It was just Sutton literally sitting in a birdcage and like acting ridiculous that was literally what her birthday party was um but they did show more of the bravo bravo effing bravo i don't know if this kid's listening effing (sighs) bravo moment and it was such i live for the breaking of the fourth wall on the housewives Mm -hmm. and when the producer comes in and they show the producer coming in because Denise is like yelling for a producer to come talk to her and all the girls it's funny because she's looking around at the cameras it's very like Truman Show and like all <laughs> the other housewives are not all the other housewives are just looking at each other and at her because they're like we're professionals from Beverly Hills who are all actresses in our own uh-huh. room. we know how to not break the fourth wall mm-hmm. and Denise keeps literally and Kyle is like zeroed in and focused on Denise Richards face oh. and Denise keeps looking around and then two things happen. One, Erica, almost as if she's like, no one will catch me. She just goes, Denise. And she like puts her hand like quietly on Denise's leg and like gives her like a girl, we're on stage kind of a moment. <laughs> and then the producer comes in from the back. The one she's been calling from is probably like in a trailer or like in a van outside mm-hmm. of this restaurant. Comes in and just starts yelling. And she said, and he says, Denise, back to reality. <gasps> Oh that is God. iconic. <gasps> oh, how thrilling. I was so gagged. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I just like <laughs> I open mouth gay gasp because I was so gagged. I was like, A, I just love that they showed that. And B, I loved the commitment by the rest of the cast and the producers. And I will say this. Um, uh, as you know, in addition to You Wish, I just dropped my newest hit single, Gaslighter. Yes, this is oh, yes. recent. This is really recent. A parody of Gaslighter by the Dixie Chicks, mm-hmm. as sung in my imagination by Lisa Rinna. And I think <laughs> what actually Denise, or, sorry, what Lisa Rinna is mad about this season is that Denise Richards does not take 
the um, rules of engagement of Beverly Hills and the seriousness of that fourth wall the same way that Lisa does. And yeah. Lisa's like, no, I am here to be Lisa Rinna on this TV show. I will not break the fourth wall. I will not call for a producer if a scene isn't going my way. I am in this moment as this character of Lisa Rinna that I portray on television. Yes. And Denise was not doing that. Denise was like, no, I don't like the way this scene is going. I'm going to call for a producer to change what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so that was such an interesting study for me in the way that, you know, I think like you were saying, Potomac is much more, I think, real because they aren't all actresses. Mm-hmm. But right. for Beverly Hills, it's about those like that reality under like a, a, a fabricated circumstance. But yeah. the, the women of Beverly Hills are committed to it. Like they're like, nope, we are not going to we're going to pretend that all these cameras aren't here mm-hmm. and we're going to really go into this. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long tangent. No, no, no. Uh, I need to watch the clip show. That's interesting because of them, they did have fourth wall breaking moments on Beverly Hills this season. I'm thinking of the one yeah. in Rome when Denise, like, she's like being nice all day, whatever. I think they're at like a pizza parlor or something. And then she like lets the women have it and leaves. And then they showed the producer being like, Denise, you've got to go back. In. You've got to go back in. I'm surprised they, yeah. they showed that and not the moment where, I mean, I didn't see the clip from last night, but not the moment where the producer's like, Denise. Back to reality. Right, back to reality. Which is so funny because it's like, it's like, it, it's, it works on so many levels. Mm-hmm. You're like, which reality are we talking about? Yeah. Like, what's happening anymore? It's like, it boggles the mind. That moment and then the moment, um, it, the, I think it's the last party where D- Denise doesn't show up. And there's Garcelle mm. waiting at, in the car for Denise. And Garcelle's like, well, I guess Denise isn't showing up. And then you see the producer coming and talking to Garcelle saying like, well, how does that make you feel? Uh-huh. And I'm like, interesting they showed that because like, as someone who's been on reality TV, yeah. like I know that those kind of conversations happen, but mm-hmm. then usually then it's on you, the person, to be like, oh, yes, okay, so now that I, I, I this is how I feel, now I have to verbalize how right. I feel. Yeah. That's, the, that's the unreal part of reality TV is we, we all feel those things that are happening mm-hmm. uh, on reality television. Like what's different about reality TV is you have to verbalize those things right. because that's your, A, that's your job, and B, if you don't, the audience won't necessarily understand what's happening. Um, so yes. you have to verbalize things that in real life, maybe you would just sit there and be annoyed quietly. Mm-hmm. But in, re- in reality TV, you have to be like, I'm annoyed. And have to say it. <laughs> it's like if you're asked a question and you just need to sort of like reword the question in your answer. I yeah, think. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But we're not here to talk about reality TV only. I've, I've oh taken over this podcast. We can talk about it this whole time. We love it. <laughs> I, I, I need to ask. Now, I know you did Rinna on Snatch Game. So I, I know you have an appreciation and love for her. And I also love Lisa Rinna. But when it comes down to the end of this Beverly Hills season, I have to admit, my, I, I was, I kind of had it with Rena. I have to say, I felt like she was being mean in like a, she was making herself the villain kind of way, but she felt like the fans would be on her side. And I, I just feel like, I don't really think she is that mean of a person. I think she just really committed to playing this role of, I am a truth teller. I want to get to the truth and I want Denise to spill the truth. And I think that having seen the whole season now, because I was team Denise for most of the season, I have to say, um, even though I love them all, you know. Actually, I was team Dorit, but um, which was a whole. Wait, I have a theory. Let's let's all. I, okay, I have a theory, and I and I shared this in my um, private, very exclusive Real Housewives gay group chat that I'm in. <laughs> um, so, but this is hot tea that I'm breaking right now. I bet Dorit gets center diamond next year. I have a feeling. I think she's kind of like built herself up in this franchise into being kind of like what the franchise is. She's 
arguably one of the most glamorous. She is able to be in the storylines without being too messy, unlike her first season where she was very messy. I know. And and she's kind of like become lovable in a way, which I had never anticipated with three, never. three. But now when I watch her, I'm like, she's kind of fun. She's like, you're, you know, I feel like she gets center diamond. Do you have any predictions for next so season's center I, diamond? I just, as, as I'm only a Potomac person, but I do know about this Denise Richards drama from you know, the internet. But I do, the only thing I know about Dorit, is she the one with the Buca de Peppo storyline? Yes. Okay, yes. okay, okay. That's all Jackie, I can really say. I think, say. I think she will get it. You're right. I think she'll get it. Cause I, I don't think Kyle brings enough to the show at this point that she yeah. seems, I mean, they sort of, I think they knew that this season. So that's why they made her the narrator with, with of course the iconic end of the premiere moment where they're like at Kyle's, Kyle by Shahidi fashion show. And then she's like, I'm so happy. I cried the whole time. And then it freeze frames. And she's like, we were all so happy that day. I know. It's so, it was like so much. Speaking of drama podcast, yeah, this is a drama. That's Literally. Terrible. I think Jerry gets center diamond. I think so too. But back to your question about yeah. whose team am I on or how do I feel? How do you feel? So my, I think actually last night's episode helped illuminate Rinna's motivation okay. for me in that I really do think that it wasn't really about Brandy. It was more about the fact that Denise wasn't playing by the rules of the game. And I think for someone like Lisa Rinna, who has, I think Lisa Rinna and Kyle and probably Dorit, the three of them really take the franchise and their role in it so seriously. And, you know, and that even goes back to how everything happened with Lisa Vanderpump is they were like, no, you're not doing, you're not playing by the same set of rules that we are. And I think that it's in a different way with Denise, whereas Vanderpump was trying to be too producing of the show yeah. Denise was trying to be like no well producing in a different way Denise was trying to produce the show from a way of like well if things aren't going my way I'll just tell the producers that I'm not going to film whereas Vanderpump would do all these like behind the scenes machinations to get things to happen yeah. in a way um, so I think that that's kind of important to the three of them and I think what they hold on to in this franchise um, so I think that's what the f- that's what that's where I think Lisa Rinna's animosity comes from um, in terms of her personal place and then I do think you know She's she's a she's a daytime television star. She knows how to like play up her own emotions for the moment. Yeah. Um but yeah, oh gosh. I to be honest, like I don't know what happened between Brandy and Denise and it's like none of my business. Like yeah. I I'm not in Denise's marriage. I wouldn't mind being a guest star in a three-way in their <laughs> marriage. However, I well, I don't know. Aaron makes me nervous but if he's not talking then maybe i know he um, got a little scary for me a little scary like first with like the big intimidating uh-huh. stuff he'd do with the women and then with the like crystal talk i was like <laughs> oh i saw a clip of that well, him and denise were, at one point they were like we don't know who's listening like they they were convinced that someone was like on their trail it was it was so odd but iconic <laughs> yeah. as hell i mean i truly get so much from these women i really do they're iconic do you think erica jane will be back I think they need her back. So whether or not she does or doesn't, because I think Erica provides a nice counter to the women in the yeah. sense that she's uh, the, the way that she kind of jumps in is like she 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 gets fiery in such a cool way that it helps kind of break up their arguments. And I would counter the way that Erica Erica's energy is very much like. The, if you guys watched New York this season, yeah, the much needed energy that Leah brought this season yes. is like, because when it's all kind of like fiery hotheads yelling, it's really hard as a viewer to like watch because 
you can't like breathe. It's just like everyone's operating at a level 10. And Erica always jumps into the argument with like a, well, here's my point of view. And like, we're kind of like dry logos. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah, like, Connor does an like impression. You, you kind of need that, right? So yeah. I think I think they need Erica in this show. And she's so glamorous. Like, that. that's like half the reason I watch Beverly Hills is it's like, it's the most aspirational in the sense that these women are really big celebrities living in the most fabulous town in the country. Like, and these are their lives. Like, yeah. this is so beyond my reality, right? It's Did awesome. you see Erica in Chicago by any chance? I'm very sad. I did not. I know. We I did, did not either. see. And that whole scene where they're like, you know, that they like literally like flew in for an hour to like <laughs> prance around Times Square. Uh-huh. is like two blocks from my apartment. Uh-huh. I was so sad that I wasn't just hanging out there to like visit Erica and her puffer coat. Oh, my God, Jackie. I <laughs> this is a confession. I cried watching that scene, <laughs> but not because I was like that thrilled for Erica. But I was just like seeing Times Square in a like in moments before the world changed forever and seeing her like fulfilling her dream and there's the women they're so happy they're like hugging i don't know it just felt very um it was like too close to to reality of like what we just left that i was like oh my god i miss i miss new york i miss that i'm sad i didn't see erica jane like i i wish life was uh, some semblance of the normalcy we had before but anyway drama 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 but like do you think, and this would be like a dream, like if Rinna, do you think Rinna has Velma in her? I do. She strikes me as more of a Velma than a Roxy. So do we, can we appeal to the gay gods slash producers of Chicago to make this happen for us? Rinna and Erica? Oh my God, that would be legendary. And Luann was, was rumored to go in, but I always thought it was going to be his mama, Morton. I would not uh, recommend casting Luann as Roxy or Velma. Right. I think she could uh, do Mama. She could She's do Mama. She's got those Mama. grovelly low notes. I mean, that would also be epic if the, if it was just like an all Housewives cast. <laughs> yeah. You could throw Harry Hamlin back as Billy Flynn. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, my God. Luann, I saw I saw a tweet that was like, Luann is the um, Florence Foster Jenkins of the world, where like, She's convinced she's this amazing singer and everyone around her. Right. She believes it so hard. And Luann is lovely. I have, I have met, I have met the Countess a couple (sighs) of times. Um, And uh, she is lovely. She had a bunch of us Queens do kind of the, the, the watch what happens live premiere of Giovanni. Um, Very fun. That was last year. Um, Funny story. I'll tell you guys real quick. Here's some uh, scoop drama. (gasps) Yeah. Give it to us. Um, That was literally, uh, the day of that shoot was the day I didn't get the call from Drag Race, but I got like a call from Drag Race. <gasps> wow. Um, <laughs> so it was it was like a very interesting day because I like this was like swimming in my head and I couldn't tell anyone about it. Mm-hmm. And then it was um, and then uh, we were feeling Giovanni and they, they had like these, like these like racks of Giovanni gowns for us each to try on. It was kind of like a gay Dream, but literally, we're in the Bravo studios, and there's just like racks of Giovanni gowns. And they're like, "Girls, pick one." And I was like, "Can I keep this?" And they were like, "No." <laughs> oh. Now, were there? There were. You said there was other drag queens there too. Yeah. So it was um, all New York queens. Okay. It was me, uh, Paige Turner, Heidi Ho, Tina Burner, mm-hmm. Chelsea Piers. Wow. Uh, I want to say Brenda Darling was there as well. We love Brenda Darling. Um, I'm like eighty. Nine percent sure that those were it was it was us. Ah, love um, it. But it was it was it, that whole moment in my life was such a blur because then from that moment on it was like 
then the, the real call happened like mm-hmm. shortly thereafter yeah. and then it was like craziness oh my god That's... your life changed forever it did now i know you've sure talked you talked about drag race a lot throughout just the last i mean this has been a huge year for you but what was like your origin story of drag like because where did Ooh. jackie cox come from how did you decide the name yeah yeah so it's jackie cox as a jackie cox existed as a name and a character before me doing her in drag okay so my my bestie blake and i in college we went to um ucla school of theater film and television wow and um we kind of created jackie cox was this character and blake really pioneered it because blake used to do this like voice it was kind of like a precursor to like almost like a Miranda Sings type oh, voice. Yeah, it was like, yeah. hi, I'm I'm Jackie Cox and I'm the best singer in the world. And that was kind of like her voice. And yeah, like, yeah. we would just like pretend to be this like kind of like Emperor Wears uh, No Clothes, Clueless musical theater diva who like thought she was the best. Uh-huh. Um, and her name was Jackie Cox. And then we, uh, yeah, we would, uh, I think Blake recorded a whole album as her one time. It was like, we were very silly in college. Like, I don't know what we were doing. Um, and then... This was, so that was, you know, in the early aughts. And then cut to 2010, when I just moved to New York City, um, I, uh, my upstairs neighbor at the time was uh, producing a drag competition called So You Think You Can Drag. Mm. Um, and At New World Stages, like, right? At New World Stages. Yeah. And he was like, hey, come do this competition. And I was like, oh, I've never done like drag before. He's like, no, you just did a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch last year. And I was like, oh, that's true. He's like, so you can do this. And I was like, oh, but I don't have like a drag name or a persona or anything. And I was like, I got it. Jackie Cox. <laughs> and like when I first started, like, so the first thing I ever did in drag was a lip sync to Out Tonight from Rent. Love it. Um, the Daphne Rubin full, Vega like, version or the, the Rosario Dawson version? Daphne Rubin Vega. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, was, was a Rent movie out in 2010? I guess yes, it was. It was. I yeah. haven't blocked it from my memory. Um, and <laughs> Let, no, it's, Like most people have. It's, well... It's a we can. Well, there's a whole other tangent we can I know, about that right now because there were some great choices mm-hmm. and a lot of not so great ones. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I I did out tonight from rent, and then afterwards they're like, oh, and we're gonna we're gonna ask you a couple questions off the mic. And it was Paige Turner was hosting, mm. and she was like, and I was like, hi, I'm Jackie. I was like talking in that yeah. silly voice, and I was like, then like so it took me like a little. It took me actually that whole competition to actually like come into my own a little bit in terms of like oh wait Jackie isn't like that character she's like actually just a version of me mm-hmm. but like that will always exist in her that kind of idea that she's this you know she's like she's kind of like thinks she could do anything mm-hmm. uh, which kind of helps me as the performer also believe it yeah, yeah. wow I love um, that so yeah, that's kind of that's the story of where she came from. Very theater-based origin. <gasps> I know. Yes. Speaking of theater-based origins, I don't. I, I'm wondering. You know, we ask all of our guests this question. Mm. This is this is the big one. We ask them about their ring of keys moment. That moment that they realized that, you know, entertainment, theater, pop culture, it was it was in you forever, and you needed to be a part of it for the rest of your life. Do you feel like you had that moment of recognition? I was thinking back to this, and actually, I think my first like, I have two. Well, as a kid, like a little kid, like in elementary school, um, our class did a a little like play in October one year. It was about like a ghost 
who was really sad and lonely because no one could see him um, until he figures out that he can put a sheet over himself and then people can see him. Mm. And I, I remember, like, the, it, I, I don't even know what this play is. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if it's real or if this is just a fever dream I'm having. But I remember the teacher, I must have been, like, seven years old. And the teacher, like, had us each, like, read parts of it. And then she was like, uh, and you'll be the ghost. And I was like, what? She was like, well, I believed you the most when you seemed sad that you no one could see you. <laughs> and like, I, I didn't know how to take that because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought, to me, well, I'm not a sad kid. But I guess I, like, I was a little bit of a lonely kid in my mm-hmm. own way because I always saw things differently than most other kids and like felt I operated around the world. And so I realized at that young age, mostly subconsciously, and I've like processed this later that like, theater gave me a way to kind of like express and process my emotions um because i you know as a child of divorce as like a very gay child i learned how to kind of operate um in almost in secret in the sense i I learned how to like hide parts of my personality that would either make my parents upset or that would make other kids tease me and theater gives you that way to like let that all out a little bit um and so that was probably like the moment emotionally that 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 happened for me as a kid and then that kind of developed as i started doing more little plays in school um and then i think like my my mom uh, being a you know divorced mother, loved the Lamez cast album, and would play "I Dreamed a Dream" on like repeat. Of course, uh, you know, very tragic. Oh my god! <laughs> and if it wasn't that, it was like the Andrew Lloyd Webber collection. So that was kind of like my first like exposure to like big professional musical theater was mm-hmm. like the musicals of Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, and seeing that. Uh, and then, I think the first time I, like as a I probably say in middle school is the first time I saw West Side Story the movie um and that's when I was like whoa people can do all of this like people can sing and dance and like traipse around New York City which is a place I'd only ever heard of Mm. um and all of those things uh and that was like the first big movie musical that made like a big impression on me as a kid um but and then probably beyond that you know Disney like like you know I saw The Little Mermaid, I think was the first movie I saw in theaters. Um, And then Beauty and the Beast, which was a year later, I made my parents take me to, between the two of them, they were already divorced at that point, five times to see that in theaters. (laughs) I really thought I was Belle. I was like, well, I like to read. She likes to read. I I was just really into that. Um, I talked to the teapot too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, I was a lonely little only child. So like uh, that whole idea of like, you know, wanting a life that's different than yours, like all that kind of stuff. And I just really always identified with characters and heroines like that. So, mm. yeah, that was a very long-winded answer. No. I, 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 but there, there it is. Those are those are my ring of keys moments. <laughs> I love that you can track it. that from the beginning onwards. And, you know, there, I think there's something special about that story about the ghost, too, that no one can see the ghost until the sheet is on. And there's there's, yeah. there's a metaphor there for maybe costumes in theater or you know putting drag drag, Drag, you know i've heard that drag doesn't change who you are it reveals who you are oh have you heard that i've heard it i've heard that (laughs) one before that's such a sad cute story though about the ghost 
It is. Uh, it's, it's it's like the older I get, the like more poignant that story <laughs> seems. Um, and I think I've only told it like once or twice, but it's uh, it's 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 a funny origin story and also points to the importance, uh, if anyone in this podcast is listening, of keeping arts uh, in our schools. Absolutely. So please, uh, please keep arts in the schools. Uh, tell your elected officials that that's important to you. Yes. Be an arts hero. Be an arts hero. We have to vote. Be an arts hero. Get rid of Betsy DeVos and. Oh, God, please, please get rid of Trump. Yeah. Although it sounds like he's not interested in, like, accepting an election, even if he loses. Did you guys see that? I did see that. I, I, that's, that, that may be too much drama for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Literally. I know. I know. I talk about politics with friends all the time. I'd rather not right now, even though I know that that's, like, a place of privilege to not talk about it on a podcast, but. Oh, my God. We talk about it all day. We're on Twitter all day Mm -hmm. reading about it. Like, it's not, like, it's not a part of our everyday lives. You know what I mean? So, you're good, Dylan. Okay, Jackie, I have another question. So you were talking about the other New York queens that you were in that Giovanni shoot with. What was like your, like before the pandemic, the pandemic Lovato as Connor and I call it, before that, what was your like New York drag life? Like where, where would you perform? Um, Connor and I were huge um, industry hardware and therapy fans. And I know that I believe therapy is closed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um so so uh yeah, so I like I started drag in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um and that was in New York and um uh the entire time I was doing drag up until I left to film Drag Race. Okay. I pursued a parallel career path in the retail industry. I was oh. um literally uh I think 4 months after I placed second in the first season so you think you can drag um which was crazy to me because I was like I've never done this before and then it went really well and then like a couple months later I was like I took a big job offer in San Francisco and I moved to San Francisco for a year and a half and I kind of became a buyer for Gap the clothing company Um, and I worked in San Francisco and then they had the opportunity for me to come back to New York and as much as I love San Francisco I felt like San Francisco is really a tech town, and I, while I appreciate technological advancements, I missed the theater community, <laughs> sure. and I missed kind of the, the drag aspect of the theater community. So San Francisco drag is amazing, and uh, but I didn't feel like my drag fit in as well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still doing drag like once a week, maybe twice a week in San Francisco um, while I was working this corporate job. And also no one at the corporate job knew about it. Um, wow. It was very like Hannah Montana. I know that's, that's <laughs> a pilot. There's a pilot somewhere there for totally seriously. a pilot. Ryan Murphy. I'm very, <laughs> grateful. um, I say that on every podcast and, uh, uh, I, uh, so I moved back to New York, um, and then really started doing drag more here. Um, and then it wasn't until actually I left gap after working there since I was 18. So I worked there for 12 years wow. when I was 30, I uh, left Gap uh, and got a job at a different retailer, uh, Ross, a.k.a. Ross Dress for Less. Yes. Um, And their offices are in Midtown. So it was suddenly my whole life was in Midtown. And I actually suddenly had a lot more time because I was never taking the subway. It took me 10 minutes to walk to work. And I had all all this extra time. And also, to be honest, my job at Ross was a lot less demanding Mm -hmm. than my job at the Gap. So I had all this kind of free time. And... um, the 2016 election happened and I had all these feelings about it and I'd been kind of thinking about doing my own big show. So up until that point, I'd only kind of been, um, I'd been a guest star in many other Queens shows. Um, and I, 
a lot of queens kind of grew to trust me as like a substitute uh, host for a lot of their shows. I would sub for Paige Turner. I would sub for, uh, I think I subbed for Suddenly Seymour one time. Mm. I subbed, I've subbed kind of would come into different shows of different queens and just kind of help them out or whatever they needed. Yeah. Cause I lived in Midtown and I'm very close to hardware therapy industry, all those bars. Um, and so my first big thing I did in 20, uh, it ended up being in 2017, beginning of 2017 is I, uh, built the I dream of Jackie show, yes. uh, which was my way to comment on everything happening with the Trump administration and kind of like a fun, uh, story, uh, that had serious moments, but, that, from that moment on, then I kind of like really started pushing what I was doing in drag into a lot more of like the storytelling that I've kind of uh, has become what I love the most about drag. Um, and up until, you know, early 2019, where I was like, I've never auditioned for RuPaul before, but let's see what happens. And so I auditioned and then uh, I literally left my job. We had to fly out on a Monday and my last day was a Friday of my job. Oh, my God. Wow. And then uh, coming back from the show, you know, while we still had that time before the cast was announced, I like really dove into nightlife. I'd started doing um, a couple weekly things with therapy and then I would still kind of uh, do my shows at the Lori Beachman Theater. So I was really trying to like do drag like two, three or maybe even four times a week, um, you know, just to like rev up my muscles for like a big year of touring that didn't happen. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? It's so... it's interesting you mentioned that because we used to say that like every week every week when the show was airing we'd be like god this should be like the happiest you know three four months most exciting three four months for these queens they would be like you know working every night traveling you know because even like being from ohio we'd you know there's like the one gay bar in columbus but every i'm coming columbus i'm available yes you will they would have like every rue girl there every week like they would just like book them and seeing that from ohio it's like in new york you know i remember actually a week before you know covid really it was like march like third or something march 4th, or i don't know it was like the wednesday we saw jan at industry on like a wednesday night and we were like this is probably the last time we'll see her for a while like you know mm-hmm. she's gonna be like taken mm-hmm. off like touring or whatever like not doing her regular gigs and then like sure enough like yeah it wasn't it was the last time we'd see her for a while because you know, all live performances are shut down. That must have been devastating. Oh my god! Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to use this time. Um, you know, I think the first three months I was just like, well, honestly, just dealing with social media, which mm-hmm. I would have had to do anyway, was yeah more exhausting than I anticipated. A full time you know, job. I think, you know, we we talked about the housewives earlier, mm-hmm. but like having like a you know and it's probably only maybe 25 percent of what they get in terms of the um, just volume of social media kind of like input Mm -hmm. and then then you have to make all these decisions of like what do i engage with what do i not engage with like how do i still you know keep whatever brand i think i am and or people perceive me to be from the show like how do i keep that voice consistent across social media and probably i'm i'm one of you know because this is i'm sitting here analyzing this in my own head as it's happening in real time i don't know if the other queens think this way but this is how i would <laughs> like i'm like if is, is what i post like really reflective of like who i am mm, like you know yeah. i'm like always thinking that kind of stuff because like i want to be you want you know when the cameras are off and you're just it's just you and your social media to still you know be someone if if that 
if they connected to me and my story on TV, I want them to still find that through me and my channels. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I always was second guessing everything I was posting. And, you know, and then as we moved into the summer and all of the really important, you know, stuff happening with Black Lives Matter, really, really thinking a lot about what I could do with my platform, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just... So that was that really occupied a lot of my mental energy. And maybe if I had been touring the world, it would have been a very different story. And I would have been like, whatever, I'm just here's a photo of me backstage. Click. And then like uh-huh. posted and not thought about it because I didn't have time to think. But I did think because <laughs> I was yeah. sitting at home a lot. Um, and then I thought as you know, we moved into the summer, I was like, wait, this isn't ending anytime soon. I'm going to be here in New York. Like, what can I do with my life? And so I did a couple things. One was work on this new talk show that I have with our friend Michael Hall um, because I wanted to A, do something and B, uh, I wanted to really refine my skills as an interviewer and a host. Um, And so this was a really fun way to do it. You know, Michael has really been working on the technical side of like building out these streaming shows Mm -hmm. and he helped me a lot with my shows earlier on in the pandemic. And so we learned a lot together. Um, And then, you know, like things like it's not a secret, but I'm not the best dancer in the world. It's certainly not the best at uh, making dance moves seem sexy, according to uh, <laughs> Jamal Sims. But I've been working on it, and uh, I'm taking dance every week. And, oh, my um, gosh. Just trying to get better at me. Um, and uh, things like, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I've, I've been trying to, like, find as much positive as I can in this time mm-hmm. where I'm not touring. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens when this pandemic ends. I'm sure yes. there will be tours available. There will um, be. Yes, you will be one of the first ones called for all of the group tours, and you'll be booked all across the world. Honestly, because uh, I'm very available. I, uh, <laughs> you know what? I, as you were talking, I was I was reminded of this idea that something Dylan and I talk about all the time, and they're sort of doing it now with Drag Race Vegas review, but I think in like a more specific way. But wouldn't it be amazing to have like? you know, VH1 Bravo style reality show, speaking of housewives, in the style of housewives that follows like several, you know, drag queens, kings, like maybe like five or, you know, like typical like grouping of, you know, stars, cast members. But in New York, just navigating the drag scene of New York and you see them doing their like daily jobs, you know, whatever they're doing, maybe working in retail and then they're going to work at, you know, their, their show at wherever. Wouldn't that be awesome? And it's like, it's less specific because I think with Vegas Review, like they had that they were like, okay, we're all doing this Vegas show together, and then we're gonna like create drama around it. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of their supporting players were all in different states, so I think that's where that show didn't have as much like I would say like organic drama because cast members had to come in and out, and it wasn't like they were all like experiencing all these things together. But anyway, it's still good. But I think where Housewives thrives is you do have all these like tertiary characters that come in and out, like the husbands, the this, the that, the friends of. Well, darling, I will tell you, I did play a tertiary character in such a television program. <laughs> um, so it was called Shade Queens of NYC. Oh. And it uh, it came out, I want to say they filmed it in 2017. With Marty Gold Cummings, right? Yeah, Marty Gold Cummings yeah. was one of the producers of the show. And I it was actually this. a lovely show. Yeah. The, only, the only flaw of the show was that they had to, so it got greenlit. And the network, this was on Fusion, um, mm. they wanted it to air, like, it got greenlit in the summer, and they wanted the first episode out, like, September 1st. So mm. it became a quick rush to production, and one of the um, 
storylines was the final slash all-star season of So You Think You Can Drag, which Holly Box Springs was competing against me. Um, so I was like kind of a, a, a friend of, and I didn't have my own talking head, but I was a little, uh, I was uh, a tertiary character in that show. Uh, and then I, Spoiler alert! I stole, uh, I steal the crown from Holly at the end of the season. So you won ah. the All Stars. You won the All Stars. I won the All Stars. Oh, that's so cool! Wait, what was this show called? How come I've never heard of it? It's you. You would love it. It's called Shade Queens of NYC, um, and they got renewed for a second season, uh, and then uh, Fusion uh, was bought out by a different company, and then the new owners didn't proceed with it. It was. I was really sad because I was like ready to come in like, you know, this is the year I get my apple you know, like yes. ready to do it. But instead, I decided to audition for RuPaul. So I guess everything worked out it fine. But I will out. say um, it was uh, it was kind of um, very ambitious because they were literally uh, filming and editing and doing it all almost in real time. Wow. I was like, it was it, it was crazy. Um but they did it. They pulled it off. It's a lovely first season. Um, there's an element that's kind of, I will say, artistic in that there's like, um, there's like a, there's like dream lip syncs in every episode. Oh. So the episodes cut to like the queen's inner thoughts, and then the queen is in full drag delivering a lip sync. Uh, a little like mini music video happens every that's episode. That's fun. Did isn't you that, did you see um, Alyssa Edwards' Dancing Queen on Netflix? Because they do. I did that. watch some of it. They yeah, do that. Yeah. They do the the because it was going to feature a drag number in every episode, and it was always very random, like towards the end of the episode or something like that. But I love yeah, that idea. It is kind of a fun idea, and it kind of adds that like heightened reality element that you mm-hmm. need from drag. But yeah, it's a, it's it's still a great idea, and I think whoever. Um, you know, get someone to greenlight it should totally do it. Now being a connoisseur of 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 all of this stuff, I don't know if I'd ever sign up to be like a main player on a sure. show like that. Unless I like, I don't know. I guess I'll never say never, but like, yeah, it's intimidating because just like on Drag Race, where at least in theory on Drag Race, you know, and we shouldn't talk too much too much about it, but yeah. I will say in theory that the drama of that show comes from the competition itself, mm-hmm. whereas on a non-competition based reality show, it all has to come from the interpersonal relationships of whoever the participants right. are, which um, I think the audience can always forgive someone for being cutthroat in a competition, but they may not always forgive someone for being cutthroat just between friends yeah right? so i think that's something you're always uh you have to really you have to think about before yeah. you uh sign up for a show like that <laughs> and i think that's the that's that's kind of the the deal with the devil that the housewives make and some of them you know like denise uh want to uh cancel that deal after one season mm-hmm. i think what's funny about denise is i think she probably got probably the tiniest amount of hate for the way on the first season she was so sexual and open about that and her husband's penis and all that kind of stuff like but i think that whatever it was something clearly got to her and whether it was the fans or her manager or agent or someone who told her like hey you need to be like if we want to cast you in another hallmark movie you're gonna need Uh to tone this down honey and so you could see it kind of like really affecting her in the way that she came into this season um, which is too bad because I loved first season. Denise. Me too. I actually liked season nine. Aside from the Lucy Lucy apple juice of it all, I really did. I liked it. Denise came in like, in a way, it felt like Leah on this season of Roni. Like it was this yeah. this shot of adrenaline that was this refreshing like 
kind of open, you know, she's this, she's this very well-known celebrity, but she doesn't really do her hair. She just wears these jeans from American Eagle. You know what I mean? Like she, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And I still like her, but I don't think she was meant for that environment. Right. You, cause you have to kind of make the deal of like, Hey, you have to realize whatever I'm dealing with in terms of social media backlash or whatever you are like, well, it's worth it because I still have this platform that I can do other things with, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that that's, uh, but it's a stressful thing. Like, I don't know if I, it would be exhausting. It was exhausting just dealing with social media in the only way I had to deal with it from, from my season. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's something that the, the every housewife has to make a decision for herself. Absolutely. You know, Jackie, you were talking about, you were talking about how you were worried about how maybe people would perceive things or how you were handling yourself. I will say you came out from this season as probably one of the most classy, prepared, quirky and smart queens. And it was one of the best seasons on record. Um, so I think that you should... A, a, a formal record. The most Emmy wins. That's, that's tr- right. I think Drag Race has ever won. Ah. Oh. Iconic. I know, which you were part of that. So congrats. It's it's really amazing. And I think, you know, if All Stars is in the future down the line, like I think that you'll only be, maybe you'll snatch the crown like you did it so you think you can drag. You never know. You never know. You truly never know. Connor, you were saying something and I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say, I just wanted to tell you, Jackie, that we love your talk show with Michael. Good morning oh, tonight. Yes. I think it all oh, things. I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who like has never really watched you know, morning television, but I've always loved the concept of it. And also maybe it's just in my head because I've also been watching the morning show on Apple TV plus. So this idea of like the, these morning shows is really fresh in my head, but it's really great. And you guys, the songs that you guys do are so clever and well done. Um, I also, th- th- this past week you guys had Adam Perry on and he is so hot. Oh my God. Girl. We, we have gotten there have been some very attractive people on our show uh, and more to come. Um, you know, we've been uh, I love that Broadway Bears just gives us all an excuse to like yeah. really bring the hotties out. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 I love doing the show. I did love the idea of a morning show. I mean, it, in, at some point in like the future when we can like do it from like either a real studio or a live space, like I'd love to have even more like like daytime talk show segments, segments like yeah. let's like let's actually like make jackie cook something like i don't think so silly i think the idea of a of a morning show in the evening it was just it's just a silly idea it's like very lewis carroll to me yeah um, yeah like if lewis carroll was creating a drag talk show this is what he would do <laughs> um uh and so i i was i it was just like the silly idea i had um and then it kind of gives the show a nice kind of structure and a framework to kind of like work around and then also like be a parody of like, you know, because I think one of the things that I love about morning talk shows is like the way they structure each hour as you go through the morning shows to get less and less serious. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, ending with like the 10 o'clock hour where I think the hosts are just drunk and <laughs> yes. just doing whatever they <laughs> like. want. So we kind of start at that point, the like 10, a- the 10 a.m. hour um, with our talk show where it's like, you know, we're very casual. I love like joking about, you know, hard hitting questions because like I don't think we've had one really hard hitting question <laughs> on the show. Um, but it's fun to do. And um, I love that uh, fans of drag can kind of connect with the theater community more because I do think that 
within our world of Broadway, you know, and I say ours if I've ever been there, but I mean our world of like people who love theater and appreciate Broadway, um, you know, we celebrate those people so much, but I love, I'd love to get more people to like have their eyes on them and not just like the huge, huge names that everyone knows, like not just like the Adina Menzels of the world, but like everyone who's like that big in our eyes on Broadway. And I love giving a chance to spotlight them and then everyone everyone who makes it all happen and especially right now when no one can do the thing that they right. love the most um yeah why not? why not why not do it well it's great and it's certainly a good way that you're putting your talents to work during this crazy time and it's something to look forward to every tuesday so i say keep it up and we'll always be tuning in and enjoying you and Michael on there with your mashups and songs. <laughs> oh my God. The songs are so silly. And I, it's, it's funny. You're like, they're so well produced. I'm like, Michael and I usually decide like the day before what we're doing. And it's like very hastily, uh, written. And, and then, you know, spoiler alert, we, we, we pre-recorded the vocals for everything. Um, it's our voices, yeah, but yeah. just, just, you know, I will say the main reason is we had, we've had, uh, Marty Thomas came and sang live, on the show and he is so good at like the engineering and the sound mm-hmm. it sounded beautiful and i was like i don't think i can do that <laughs> um but maybe you know i'm gonna hopefully have a new studio space and then i'll be able to uh attempt uh, michael's always pushing me she's like he's like just sing live and i was like i don't know about that st- streaming um, yeah but we'll try it. But we do pre-record the vocals and then we we lip sync to them uh but it's our own voices so yeah. you know very drag yes very, very is, drag very drag. All right, so we are wrapping up here, and we like to end on a dose of drama, which yes. is you know Ooh. maybe maybe something going on in the world, a piece of pop culture that we're consuming, anything that's on our minds after this conversation. You know, whether you're feeling dramatic or not, we like to bring a dose of drama into the world for our listeners to enjoy. Um, I'll start because there is something I'm feeling dramatic about. You know, I go on mm. these I go on these walks in my neighborhood every day for like an hour. It's it's, you know, it clears my head. It's wonderful. And in the neighborhood that I'm in, in my parents, you know, home, there's Trump signs abound. And so I've just gotten used to it. But, you know, I think it's actually helpful. I want you to put up your sign because then I know, I know who's, who is on my side and who isn't. You know what I mean? Mark the house. <laughs> you know where to not let your kids go trick-or-treating. You know? <laughs> and it's also fun because we have a Biden-Harris sign in our yard and people will walk by and they'll be like, love your sign you know they'll whisper it to me like they're nervous in the neighborhood and i'm like yeah great but anyway so i was on my walk the other day and there was you know two cars pulled over and there were like three cop cars and there was like a minor you know car accident that happened like it looked it was literally looked like a bump but it was two cars you could see not only were the five police officers there you know, five for this little car accident. You can tell how, like, bored my neighborhood is. It's a small town, Jackie. Small town. Small town. <laughs> Not a single one had a mask on. And to cap it all off, in the yard they were in front of, there were not one, not two, but three Trump 2020 signs. And I was just like, Ugh. this is, you know, it's, it's, and I was walking by wearing a, like, it was like a, you know, just like a t-shirt, but it had, a, you know, like a pride flag on it. And I was like, you know, with my mask I had. And I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't feel nervous right now. And I don't because I belong here too. But seeing things like that where they're like not wearing masks, there's five police officers. I didn't feel safe in the moment. It was just this weird, like there was these Trump signs. I was like, this is America though. And we all belong here. But I just felt so like conflicted and upset and like 
I was like, what can I do to like, I don't know, this is just, it sucks. It all sucks. I felt very like alone in the moment. It, it was just like so annoying and troubling and I suppose motivating, you know, to like mm-hmm. spread love and get out the vote. I love that. Well, I don't love that that's how you felt, but I love that you were able to um, uh, re, 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 refocus your feelings into Agree. Uh, something positive. Yeah, because I was like feeling so upset. And that's when I was walking home when I had the sign in our yard and the neighbor came by and she was like, I love your sign. And I was like, you know what? It's all good. We're all, we're going to, we're, we're there for each other and the, the good people will, will make themselves known, you know? All right, Dylan or Jackie, dose of drama. I I've been listening to a podcast, uh, and and this is something that uh, I think I, I'm assuming that the three of us are not parents. Uh, I shouldn't make that assumption. But <laughs> I, I, you assume we, correctly, yeah, uh, and I and I would I wouldn't assume most people, but I would assume that a good chunk of your listening audience are also not parents. Maybe yet, or maybe ever. Um, so I've been listening to a podcast uh, called Nice White Parents. Oh. Uh, and I just finished the series, and it's through um, the same producers who I believe did the Serial podcast. Cereal. But mm-hmm. it's a very different um, podcast. It's about um, this one Brooklyn public high school and kind of the way uh, in, in a primarily black and brown community and the way that white parents have um, kind of affected that public school and the children and the um, other parents, non-white parents from that community over the past 50 years, 60 years um, through the way that the school was built based on the petitions of white parents, through the way that white parents have come in and out of the school and, and wanting to change it into something. And it's just very interesting because uh, I've never really thought about this whole rat race of getting your kids into the public school that you want them to in mm-hmm. New York, which is like this whole election or I don't know. It's some kind of complicated system that they attempt to explain on this podcast. But <laughs> I was like, this is a lot. Yeah. But just kind of the actual like way that, you know, uh, from what I understand it again, I'm not one. But being a parent really lets out your kind of most... I would say animal instinct desires of like mm-hmm. what you want for your child. And it, uh, what you see is so many uh, parents really fighting for their kids in like a very visceral and uh, impactful way that really impacts everyone around them. Because when you're fighting for your kid, you're really focused in on just your kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interesting the way that, um, you know, being a white person of privilege affects the way that you move in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really interesting podcast. And I would say that it's, it takes some twists and turns and I would highly recommend it to anyone who like me has no idea what any of this is about. It's like a whole other world that I didn't know existed. This like secret world of parents trying to get their kids into schools. You know, you've convinced me to download it because I, as a serial fan, they put like a preview in my feed, like I'm still subscribed to serial. And I think I remember the hook being that there was like, they needed to build a new school and all the white parents we're like, let's do it. Let's do it. We all want this school. This community deserves it. And then not a single white parent signed their kid up or wanted their mm-hmm. kid to go to that school. Not a single white parent in the 60s who petitioned for this school yeah. to be built and decided where it was going to be uh-huh. um, uh, ended up sending their kid to the school. And that's such a that's such a hook. And it's it's so prescient right now with everything that's been going on since in this post George Floyd America with the way that we view our biases and have been going back to the 60s and before. 
Yeah. And the way like what we'll say and petition like in public and then what we decide in private mm-hmm. to do with our own children. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we have children, but I think it's a good kind of um, very physical example of like ways that, you know, you can be a performative ally versus actually making a, a choice and a difference for yourself and your life and how yeah. you move in the world. Um, and it's something for us all uh, as people of some privilege. You know, we're all men. Uh, we're mostly white. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like to have to have that uh, check on yourself and be like, oh, have I ever done something where I said I was going to support something and then not done everything I could to really follow through on what I was saying? Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's it's really interesting to it's an interesting listen. Yeah, I'll um, definitely have to it download out. it. Yeah, highly recommend. I appreciate the suggestion. All right, so I'll do a quick dose of drama, and it's just that um, it was just announced that we are not getting Black Widow this year of the Marvel Universe, and everything in this next phase of movies is going to get pushed back continuously. And this is the first year since 2009 that a new Marvel blockbuster has not come out, which is sad. Um, but I'm gl- I think that it'll that be is sad. Yeah, I this is like what I have to live for, like this content that comes out. And what's interesting too. We were talking about how the touring for U Season 12 Queens and I guess for that matter, All-Stars 5 Queens didn't get to happen. But I think that there's going to be such yeah. a an insatiable hunger for live entertainment when we're able to get back together. There will be huge tours. Black Widow is going to break wec- records next May when it comes out because everyone's going to be like, I've waited a year. It's finally coming out. I, I th- Black Widow and Widow Von Du, they're both going to be out there. <laughs> That's Break. right. Well, that's 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 what it really came down to. Yes. Is twenty twenty only had room for one widow, <laughs> and it was Widow Von Du. That's right. That's right. Oh my yes, god, she I might love be. Widow. She might be. Oh my god. Oh, there's just this. See, like I said, an iconic season. So many good things. Um, well, Jackie, listen. We are huge fans. We will always support, and we are so thankful that you took your morning to do this with us because we have we've wanted you for a while now, and I'm glad that we finally had the time. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. So much drama. We really covered the gamut from Housewives yeah, to Marvel. I know. <laughs> we there's really did. crossover. We didn't even get into Star Trek, which I was hoping you could tell me about. But I guess next time you'll have to tell me which where I should start with Star Trek. Too much drama, but we yeah yeah start with uh start with the second season of the Next Generation. Just okay. start there to kind of get into it. That's okay. that's I think Love the it. easiest entry point. Well, thanks, Jackie. You're the best. Mwah. Thank you, guys. Everyone should follow Jackie at Jackie Cox NYC on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Dylan McDowell and me at Connor McDowell. And of course, follow us at The Drama Podcast. We have all of our merch out now. I'm rocking our Plus Press Play t-shirt Ooh. right now. Um, buy Jackie's merch, buy our merch. You'll be all set for fall in quarantine. And Connor, we'll see you next time. Drama! Drama.